What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about season three, episode twenty-four, Shakard. Uh, we Shakard, like Picard and Shakard made a baby. Gross. <laughs> eh, you know what? Uh, that could be Shakar. What are you doing on Tuesday? Uh, no, I uh, would you like to make a baby, a Shakard, perhaps. Uh, no, uh, we have just come back from vacation. And we are back, baby! Yes, a reference to another podcast no one listens to. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for tolerating our absence or uh, a, having just a or better having week. having the best time of your did, life, yeah. Did you just feel like your week was just a little bit better? Was the sun shining a little bit brighter? Well, that's because we were off for a week, but we are right here back in your feeds. In fact, we are doing, uh, what do you call it, a secret drop, a, a dragon drop, drop today? Is that a Shadow real thing, drop. or is that something we made up? I don't know. I think that's something you made, because I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure how much it, like, how much sense that makes, but nothing we do makes a great deal of sense. Mike, how, how are you? How was your vacation? It was good, man. We had a little excitement to start, but it ended up being pretty relaxing. I will say... Uh, the kids, the kids who used to be little baby baby boys are now getting more grown. I think they're nine and eleven, and mm. you know, it, I was a little bummed at first because they were spending a lot of time on the devices, you know, looking at the YouTube's yeah. and the playing the games and stuff. But then they convinced me to teach me how to play Fortnite, Keith. And oh, you're Fortniteing? Yeah, I really, it's not like a game I want to get into, but they did, they did teach me, and they had the best time of their lives because we got a victory where like we won my first game. Oh, nice! Which I think, I think they just put you up against like bots mostly your first few games, so that you feel like you can win. Smart. But yeah, the kids yeah. thought that they had sherpaed me into victory, and were so excited. CEO Jen had a great time. It was great hanging out with my in-laws. It was actually like a really a good week. So, I'm, but I am happy to be home. I, I'm here to report. Yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, I also had a lovely trip up to Vermont to see my family and uh, spent time with my nine-year-old nephew. Any fart songs? Uh, no new fart songs. I think he's he is like already well on his way to becoming the most musically talented person in the family. So he's going to have to write his own darn fart songs from here on out. Uh, but we we played a lot of games. We had fun. We played zucchini baseball. Ooh. Uh, which is always good up in the country because you know we, my father grows everything, so we got zucchinis like. What is the ball like a tomato? Zucchini. So everything uh, we is had zucchini? a zucchini like, I can't even I can't even show it in frame, but absolutely like. Well, you do three one hand, long. I'll do the other. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, that that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I cut it up and then we we that was the ball and we uh. smashed it all over the place and fed it to the chickens. I mean, it was very. Uh, very Vermont, uh, cool. but we had a blast doing that. Uh, but I can't believe it's been so long since we've talked about Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. uh, I missed it. Very... I, I missed it quite a bit, actually. I found that of the two shows we watch, this is the one I missed. Well, because we've done 15 episodes of one show and like 50, 60 of the other one. So mm -hmm. we're, we're obviously, we spent a lot more time with these people and they're our new family and friends. So Spe even though we're time, seeing our own Moogie. I'm going to keep it. Jen loved Moogie. Boy, I had to hear about Moogie. Jen loves Moogie. She wants to talk <laughs> about Moogie. She wants to be Moogie. But I will say, you know how 
uh, when people spend so much time with each other, Keith, they start to become one another. You know, like people see mm-hmm. dogs and their humans becoming the same. Well, sure. we've spent a lot of time apart, Keith, but it turns out that even apart, we grew the exact same beard. It's the same color. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. same length. Everything is the same with the beard. Yeah, well, I think that's just, you know, age and stress, which we both have. <laughs> yes, it's true. No, but I but but we got to we got to, we got some outside time. Maybe it grew in just right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got I threw wood around. Oh, showing those guns. All right, let's that's, talk Star Trek. Fun. Let's do this. All right. So uh, we're today we're going to talk about Shakar, but of course we have to talk about family business first. It is the introduction of Moogie. Obviously, Jen was a fan. I can already guess what her rating of self-sealing stem bolts is going to be. But before I, I give hers, I got to give yours. And so. Uh, Interestingly, more divergent ratings, as always. Um, Joshua Cronin loved it with a 90. Jason Moe with an 80. YouTube viewer with an 83 also made a very good point that I should have remembered, but I didn't. Uh, Mike, you know how the Ferengi got warp drive? Or like, how could they possibly have accomplished warp drive being as backwards as they are? What do you think they did? They bought it. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Of course, they bought all of their tech, which, which like, duh, of course. Uh, Delusions at Noon comes with a 65. Not loving the uh, <laughs> how difficult it is to uh, depict the horrors of Ferengi society as a comedy. I think it's a very good point. JD comes with a 78. Harry Pothead with an 85. Worf's Boot Chips and Kevin Miles with an 88. Pretty good. And Sans Didi comes in with the super tip, as always, just in the nick of time. We almost recorded this the day after we recorded last episode. We're like, no, we just... And did we say, no, let's do it in two weeks? No. Every two days, we're like, all right, let's do it. And then and then one of us, mainly Mark, would cancel it right at the last second. So, Well, I, you know, I, I kept thinking about what the setup was going to be and how to, like, make sure that there was enough internet and where to sit and could it be quiet. And I was like, this is stressful. Let's just do it when we get home. I, absolutely. And I think, like, to be distracted while you're on vacation with your family, they already put up with me having, like, a fantasy draft. Oh, you already had your uh, draft? I had one. Well, not our draft. And I was, I was like, oh, did I auto-draft? Was it any good? No. <laughs> Oh, Mike, you're not there because you're good. <laughs> you just happened to... Well, I don't even give you the money. You still have to beg me for the money. Always. You have to remind you're the me. worst. You yeah. are the worst one. I. You are the one I communicate with more than anybody else in the entire league. And you're the one I have to track down the hardest. Anyway, so Sans Deity says... Do we have a date Hey, guys. That? What's that? Forget it. Forget it. I'll look on the email. Uh, Zidia says, hey guys, hope I made it in time to post it for the episode. You sure did, thanks to our, uh, you know, uh, putting it off so many times. Hopefully you enjoyed your well-deserved vacations. We did. Uh, This is another episode I normally pass over on a rewatch that I've learned that I like better than I remember. I think that might be the best part about doing this show, is uh, I know that I feel, and many people have expressed uh, you know, uh, who watched the show that were enjoying the episodes we didn't think we would like more than we ever did because of digging in like this. Uh, I think that a large part of that is that Explorers was the last episode. This plot dovetails nicely with last week's episodes since they both deal with parent-child relationships, this time between a mother and son, albeit with a much different societal context than we're used to. 
Women treated like second-class citizens and not given the same opportunities as men, obviously the work of a very active science fiction imagination. I know, it's, it's hard to it, it, hard to conceive that the, they might be marginalized. No, but seriously, I liked how Deep Space Nine had the courage to take on gender inequality. I also enjoyed seeing Rom having a larger role and having his character and personality cemented a bit more. It's true, he did have a bit of a migratory personality for the first two seasons. The childlike love he has for Moogie has always endeared me to Rom, and I think this episode also does well in showing more of Quark's softer side. And once again, Jeffrey Combs is a force. I have never not been entertained by his performances. He just nails Brunt as this slimy, underhanded Ferengi, and then he nails his later performance as well. No spoilers. We have not met my favorite, uh, Jeffrey Combs character yet by a mile. I really like the Ferengi. That was me saying that. Uh, I really like the Ferengi episodes and don't understand the hate, to be honest. There's maybe a clunker or two, but Deep Space Nine does a great job with them, and many of the funniest moments involve them. 78 self sealing stem bolts on this one. Please pet Charlie for me, Keith. I certainly did. Uh, I, I did not take Charlie on the seven hour drive up to Vermont, uh, so Jillian took care of him, which was. It was hard for us both. I felt so bad leaving my buddy, but they uh, they ended up being, you know, getting spend, to spend more time with Jillian. So that was fun. They don't and, care, Keith. They, you know what? When you come home, the cats are like, they, they say hey for about seven minutes, and then they're like, all right. He's like, yeah, okay. again with the treats, buddy. Let's go. Uh, and for seasons four, incoming soon, I am almost done with my secret fan project. I hope you guys and the KMers will enjoy. So stay tuned. I know what that is. I don't know if Mike does. It's mm -hmm. going to be amazing, and we uh, we're probably gonna watch it together here on the show. All right, sounds. I hope you're ready there. for. I've re hope you're ready for the that said video to get tens of views. I mean, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's only because we watched it ten times. Keith's mom is gonna love it. <laughs> She's probably yes, she might. All right. So, uh, lastly, we have to hear from the chancellor. How did the chancellor feel about family business? Chancellor was moogie moogie all the time. She had some points. I, I'm gonna be honest. When she was talking to me about it over coffee, I was kind of asleep. But it had something to do with uh, women's rights. Nerd. Oh, she. You know, she loved the cross cut between there's a scene where like i think something's happening with moogie and then there's a there's a, a direct cut right to when ben is meeting his new potential love interest cassidy and, yates and cassidy is doing all kinds of branding stuff. expert in, cassidy yates. branding expert cassidy marketing guru and she Influencer. is she is a, a, a bad bee in charge, right? So there's a direct cut between Moogie and then Cassidy Yates. That's such a good point. Yeah, showing the kind of juxtaposition between two As societies. a businesswoman, they're both businesswomen, and one of them is Has to be undercover. Influencing yeah, and, and successful. That's a really good point. I can't believe we missed that. 92 self-sealing stem bolts from CEO Jen. Good job, Chancellor Jen. Thank you for that. She, in that one succinct point, did a better episode than we did in the two-hour bloviation. No surprise. No surprise. All right. Well, let's begin our two-hour bloviation that Jen will do better in a sentence <laughs> about Season 3, Episode 24, Shakar, which aired on May 22nd, 1995. I was a fresh-faced 15-year-old mm. at this point. Who was and, not uh, doing it. 
I was profoundly not doing it. Uh, but if I wanted to know how to do it, Montel Jordan would tell me how one does it, Mike. This is how we do it. First find a girl. Oh, I guess your hand. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so Sans, uh, clip here for when you do season three. That's gonna be great. <laughs> right here. Here's your time code. I brought shame to my family. <laughs> you have a hundred percent brought shame to your family, and I see. I laid out so it could be easier to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope he's not doing a clip show because unlike uh, a network TV clip show where all the clips are funny and somewhat in context, these will not be either. <laughs> I think that'll be the point. The top movie was Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard 3, the one that happens in our fair city of New York, uh, which interestingly, a piece of trivial trivia about Die Hard that was not written to be a Die Hard movie. Oh, really? No, that was a different movie. They adapted into a Die Hard movie. Uh, so there you go. And there's another movie that was a Die Hard movie that they turned into something else. Whatever. Uh, an enjoyable franchise, especially at the beginning. I like the second one best, strangely. The airport one. I really enjoyed that. I like the second one often. All right. What was on television that night, Mike? Keith, just a couple of things to note. Number one, ABC at 8 o'clock was doing a Laverne and Shirley reunion special, oh. which I absolutely have to go to YouTube and check out because I love Laverne and Shirley, and I don't quite remember uh, the reunion special, but that was airing tonight. Also inter airing tonight, which was pretty cool, was Murphy Brown's Retrospective Part 1 of 2. Instead of doing, this was on CBS, instead of doing a clip show, I guess they were off here that night, they, CBS, Leslie Stahl did a whole special talking to Candace Bergen about how it was this, uh, this groundbreaking show. And this was in season five of 10 seasons that Murphy Brown would watch, or seven, I think. Might have been season seven. Well, they, they became such a cultural touchstone because uh, Dan Quayle, using his always excellent political instincts, took a swipe at Murphy Brown and, and made it a giant hit. So thanks for that. And also airing that night was Keith. The series finale of Blossom, season five, episode twenty-two. Goodbye. Oh, I never watched Blossom, but you know it's always that series finales always get me no matter what because I mm -hmm. know what it feels like to like close a show. I remember even if you hated it, it's still like you still have all the feels. I loved Blossom, and uh, by the way, shout out to Maya and Bialik for standing tall and and taking time off Jeopardy to stand in solidarity with the. With the strike going on, hundred <clears throat> uh, percent. I don't fault Ken Jennings for still doing Jeopardy because Jeopardy, everybody loves Jeopardy, and it's it's. But I think it all worked. I think it's it is how it shall be. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that they, the dad was selling the house on that episode, and Blossom didn't want to move and didn't want to leave, so she was trying to like basically Beetlejuice all of the people coming in to look at the house. But eventually, That's a good Keith, finale. turns out they do sell the house, and she has to yeah. say goodbye. Wow. And Joey well, Lawrence with one tear goes, whoa, whoa. I think that's a pretty good concept for a, for a finale of that type. Good idea. All right. Well, speaking of finales, this was the season finale of Voyager hmm. this week. 
uh, the episode Learning Curve. Very, very odd uh, what happened with season one of Voyager. It's a little bit like the practice, Mike. They were uh, cast flipping? uh, No, they... If you remember, the practice only aired six episodes in season one. But they filmed another eight episodes, which they rolled into season two. Uh, And Voyager kind of did the same thing. They filmed an additional four episodes for season one and decided to sort of shut it down and do those episodes in season two. I don't really know why. I thought that was a very odd choice, um, especially considering Learning Curve is not a season finale episode. I mean, it wasn't intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the season one finale. I just, I, I don't, it's an odd Did they just feeling. hold them in the can or did they, they improve the graphics or maybe there's a technology increase? No, they threw, I think they just held them in the can. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd be curious what the thought process was behind that. But um, so there it is. So Voyager is now done for the summer, even though Deep Space Nine continues on. Uh, you want to know what else continues on? Getting closer to us on the weekly world news headline. Mike, look out. The moon is drifting towards the Earth. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Mankind is in peril. Keith, and, it, uh, it literally is. Starfield, the biggest game release of the year, is next week. Oh, boy. Well, there there you go. Keith, uh, did so, I reach out to Bethesda's marketing team as K&M Geekly saying, hey, I have a channel. Want to send me a review code? I sure huh? did. Sure did. How'd that go? No I'm, reply. I mean, I'm assuming we, we they instantly sent us the whole thing, right? I think they laughed and didn't even reply to my email. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that counts as spam is what that is. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Doomsday the, uh, Collision by the year 2000, NASA warns. Well, good news, time, fellow time travelers. We dodged that moon bullet. I mean, that and maybe it, maybe it bounced off of Y2K. Mm. It's possible that that happened. All right. This episode, Shakar, was directed by Jonathan West. This is the first of four Deep Space Nine episodes Jonathan will direct. Uh, he also directed Firstborn, the Next Generation episode. And... Uh, New director, very familiar with the Star Trek property because he was the longtime cinematographer and DP on Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. So he knew where all the cookies were backstage. And this was written by Gordon Dawson, who last wrote Profit and Loss, the last Ferengi I will say, episode. he does get a shout out because there is a distinct, noticeable tangible difference in cinematography between those two properties, even though they're in the same universe. And I think that that is to be noted because a lot of times that's not the case, especially on network television. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Deep Space Nine, I I feel, and this could be because I generally, my memory of next gen is actually in rerun, basically. mm -hmm. Next gen feels much more shot on video. Whether not and and Deep Space Nine feels much more cinematic. I'll, I'll tell you why, because they're both filmed on on film. It's the lighting. Mm. Next Gen's lighting is very bright. It's a, it's a wash, right? Mm-hmm. There are no shadows. It's a full wash. Everything is is completely lit. Whereas Deep Space Nine is very much 
you know, it's it's not a wash. There's lots of shadows and darkness in the corners and things are, are sort of pot lit as opposed to a wash. And I think that the 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 full wash is very 80s, 90s television, mm-hmm. whereas much higher contrast lighting is more cinematic. Um, mainly, and interestingly, because of the technology at the time, because our TV sets sucked. Yeah. They were small and they had terrible contrast. And so if it were too dark, you couldn't see anything. So the TV was overlit because of how shitty televisions were. Today, that's no longer the case. So they can they can light stuff much more complex. Remember you used to be able to put your hand... You'd sit so close to the TV, you put your hand and you could feel the static come the off. Bzz, the glass, ding, 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 ding. So, oh, yeah. So different now. It's crazy how Snap, different crackle, the technology pop. is. Well, and and the, you know, not only is it better, but just how much energy those TVs were mm-hmm. using. Like, holy we moly. We had a, what felt, it felt the cabinet was six feet tall. Like, the cabinet was taller than me. We had a rear projection TV. That thing yeah. must have weighed 12,000 pounds. I don't even know. Whatever became oh, of that television? Came. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And now, like, when I was in Vermont, I set up my second monitor uh, <laughs> for my laptop, which is powered by USB it's from crazy. my laptop. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, uh, nerd talk for another show. Let's do some trivial trivia. Let's do it. Now, Keith, waste your time with trivial trivia. Okay, so the exteriors in this episode were shot in Bronson Canyon, uh, where many, many things are are shot, but the weather was so cold that a number of the scheduled shots were never completed. Like when they and close up to his house? You can tell us you can tell a shift. Yeah, so we we, we decide to film it in the studio. So uh, sometimes like, oh, let's go to the cave set instead. Indeed, so many shots were dropped that the crew ex- ended up with some free time while they were in the canyon. So they went into the real caves at the canyon and shot the cave scenes scheduled for shooting yeah. in the studio. Cool. Uh, which is really cool. And of course, like, you know, not not to be a Northeastern Yankee, but I imagine those California folks were too cold. It was 55 degrees. Well, I thought... <laughs> It's interesting it was the weather because the, I thought the lighting was so harsh that the direct sunlight was so harsh in those establishing shots, those wide shots. It's so hot. Yeah, I thought it, well, not even that it was hot. I just thought that it, what a challenge it must be to shoot in such oh, direct light. It was so harsh. I would, I would totally imagine. But then you have and to we're recreate gonna... that, right? You have to recreate that. If, if that's your establishing shot and then you zoom in yeah. to his place, you've got to try to recreate that harsh lighting. I mean, that's part of the difficulties of shooting. Uh, uh, but and, and it's interesting that it was cold, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to have episodes coming up where we're going to shoot on location where it was so crazy hot they almost mm-hmm. all died. So uh, interestingly, the silver desk prop on Guy Wynn's desk is the same prop used on Doctor Evil's conference table in Austin Powers. So that whoever designed that didn't know that this was the you know super villain desk set. That's that cool. got used. That's cool. And uh, lastly, Duncan Rager, Shakar, also played Ronin in the Next Generation episode, Sub Rosa. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. All right, Mike, it is time to thank some important people who have also patiently waited for our nonsense while we were on vacation. Mike, why don't you... Uh, 
Why don't you tell them, tell us who they are and what we've promised and not delivered them? Keith, <laughs> we'd like to thank folks who keep the channel running even when we're on vacation for the first time in so many years. And first, let me let me just sing their praises by name. Bryant, Kimball, Beer, Sock, Casey, Clark, Jason, Moe, nope, Josh. Nope, 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 You said sing. Brian, Kimball, Beer, Sock, with Casey, Clark, and Jason, Moe. Don't forget Joshua Cronin. Now, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novella, and the Mysterious and the Mysterious Household Wars. Big old Charles Babbage and Richard Coleman. They're smoking a spliff with Harry Pothead. With CRM Productions and Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky. Delusions at News, Steve Brown, YouTube viewer. JD makes Colin Day, Chris Mitchell, CRM Pat, Joshua send us stuff in the mail. We're always happy that we don't send stuff back. <laughs> like the posters that we've promised. We're working on it. We're getting on it. We're getting all of our stuff together. <laughs> We're terrible. I've wasted enough of your time. We are eternally grateful for these folks for helping us out, producing the shows, uh, and just wishing us good wishes and good vibes and just being... And holy crap, did we get something cool from Anne this week. I oh, have to talk more about yes. that later. The best. The best. Just the best people. You can be one of the best people too. Patreon.com slash K&M. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Yeah, lots of fun stuff up there, uh, and uh, lots of fun stuff to come. I'm I'm pretty excited about Anne's project. We have to yeah, talk to really cool. talk to her about that. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's talk about our guest stars here for Shakar, uh, the aforementioned Duncan Rager as Shakar, Aiden, Diane Salinger as Lupaza, William Lucking as Pharrell, Sherman Howard as Sivar, John Doman as Lenaris Holum, and of course. Coming back to rescue the episode so many times over, Louise Fletcher as Kai Wynn. I think it's time to go to our screening room. What do you say? Take it away, me. Okay, so we begin in our teaser with Cisco and O'Brien playing darts. And O'Brien is in the zone, so he is kicking Cisco's butt. Unfortunately, he gets called away and bumps into Bashir, warning him about O'Brien's zone. Meanwhile, that's what I wrote. Meanwhile, Kira is paying for Barat. Is she went in those hollow suites and paid the big bucks to get that Barile okay, retro As always, I write really fast, but I have not... I did this two weeks ago. So I know, like, because there's so many typos, but I know what I meant, mm -hmm. right, after I just wrote it. It's been two weeks now, so anything... I, I could get some... It's going to be exciting. Uh, so Kira is praying for Barile. What an elaborate, gets, cool little, like, Olympic chalice thing. Yeah. I, I think... Um, yeah, it's really well. It's really beautifully done, and it's all handmade. I'm assuming it's wood, which is exciting considering all the fire. Uh, but uh, really cool stuff. So, a Cisco has bad news. The first minister of the Bajoran government has died, 
And interestingly, we have to point this out, luckily of heart failure, not assassination. Mm-hmm. And look out, they have already appointed a new temporary head of government. Wait for the dun-dun-duns, Kai Win. So uh, that's a problem immediately. Good teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I'm immediately feeling peril here. Yeah, you know, when we combine the Pope and the head of the country, it always goes well. Oh, yeah, theocracies work really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Act 1, Odo and Kira are having a security meeting, but Kira is distracted by the Sith Lord taking over the government. Apparently, nobody is going to oppose her in the upcoming elections. And Kira knows she has to be stopped for a reason she doesn't know quite but she feels like if she takes power, she won't give it back. Uh, I think it is time for all of us to do our best Wallace Shawn. Inconceivable! Because that would never happen, right? So the the Bajorans apparently like her now because she made peace with the Cardassians. Because she took all of the credit for what Beryl did, being the very effective monster that she is. And Odo has a great line and says, one of the prices of giving people the freedom of choice is that sometimes they make the wrong choice. Um, Inconceivable! Yeah. <laughs> also, what makes Kaiwin so great as a baddie is that, and a lot of villains that Keith might be subtly hinting at, uh, so so great in their villainy is that taken purely at face value some of the quote unquote wins are that are wins right are things that happened are factual outcomes uh and if taken completely at face value you can't you can't do not deny them and it's it's and a lot of the in this case at least a lot of the uh, questionable tactics, motives, motivations are things we know, but the the, the populace does not. Uh, it gets right. it gets hairier when the populace finds out, which is what the plot of this episode will bring us down to. Right, right. Well, and, you know, Kai Wynn works in the shadows, and she works with endless deniability. She mm-hmm. covers... She covers her butt better than maybe other people we might be referencing who just crime out loud. Yeah, difference, uh, difference being in those, and this is important actually, I think, because it shows a, a potential, well, I guess that, that is up for debate, right? If, if the end of this episode, a lot of the suppositions they make as to why she, the jig is up, let's say, mm-hmm. is that the populace, if they knew, Keith, they would never stand for it. And... That either can be viewed with the lens of history here as uh, just Star Trek being idealistic, or potentially a naivete because it had we well had... in in the nineties we didn't stand for it. We uh, now we love standing for it, but back <laughs> in the nineties there actually were consequences for you know criming. Huh. All right. So yeah. anyway, uh, so. Uh, I can, <laughs> moving forward, I can hear they uh, they have a new composer for this episode, Paul Bayergen. Bayergen. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, who I definitely noticed the difference in tone um, 
from what we normally hear. It's subtle, mm -hmm. but I definitely heard it. So Kira returns to praying when Kai Win arrives on the station. She's here to see Kira. And she doesn't understand, I mean, talking about like just the wonderful empathy that she's always putting out. She doesn't understand why Kira's still mourning. It's been three months since your boy toy know, died. What an awesome, so good. Because if you recall, at least for me, the last time we saw her, even though all the crap went down with Brile, I was still like, it felt as if you could make the argument that she was operating in the best interest of Bajor, right? Right. And trying to do the right thing. So maybe she was turning to the leaf, but she starts this scene with, oh, are you still cry baby baby crying over your dead boyfriend crying baby baby cry? Who I killed? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I will I'll never forget, even though we only saw her for a brief moment of time, Kai Chewbacca. Kai Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Now that is a custom figure I want to see. <laughs> gotcha, Who's on it? Who's on what? it? It's got to have the button where it makes the... <laughs> um, with a Kira figure crying next to it as it dies. <laughs> Profits! <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> what was her name? Kai Ubaka? <laughs> I think it's better sleep with Chewbacca. Okay, Kai Chewbacca was so was all empathy. <sighs> Kai Chewbacca might be my finest work, actually. I think you've done it before. That's the best part. <laughs> this is a reduce, reuse, recycled joke, but we don't remember. Um, Kai Chewbacca was all about empathy, and here Kaiwen <sighs> is just showing that she is not. Yes. So Kara confronts her for taking the credit for Barile's work. And she disingenuously says, Barile never wanted fame or glory. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Mm. Oh, God, she is the worst. And then uh, goes ahead and, and after that dig, she uses that dig to propel herself into an ask. She's so good. I mean, mm. I mean, she's profoundly evil, but both the writing and the performance of this character as the most detestable person out there. Um, you know, it's I, I think that... I'm not the only one who's ever done this, but in the Harry Potter world, I think Dolores Umbridge borrows heavily from from uh, from Kai Wynn here. Uh, there are plenty of people like that, but I wouldn't it, it wouldn't surprise me that there wasn't some influence there. Uh, Kira's like, "What do you want?" But they're and never picking. They're never twirling their mustache. You know what I mean? That's the thing that's so infuriating. If you just <clears throat> like one extra step into just like. Just, well, she won't give you that. Right. She's 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 so good at saying "fuck you" with a smile, mm -hmm. which is it, it, that is the subtext between behind everything. Is I'm I'm saying things with deniability. Spoiler, and maybe you can help me with this later. Because and also, it's been a little while since I watched it as well. Um, but my my sort of lasting feeling of a little bit of disappointment in in the episode here is. I feel like they actually give me too much of that towards the end. She mm. is a little, her evil is a little unhinged towards the end of it. Like her motivations are, are seem don't seem to be too calculated. You know what I mean? It seems yeah, to be drunk little... with power more than a calculated uh, tactic. Cause she's so Which... good at plotting, you know? 
to be fair, happens to all people yes. who uh, eventually. I mean, look at look at Putin. He used to be evil but sane. Now he's evil and crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be a trajectory of uh, bad guy. But it happened that... really fast for Win. Yeah, it took her like two weeks, and she's like, "I'm drunk with power." Yeah. To be fair, though, she wasn't military leader before. I mean, once you hand a military over to somebody, things get great. Can get that's hairy, true. So. Once you get the nukes, but I, you know, it is interesting to to dovetail this with the last time we saw her because. She was a little bit vulnerable mm-hmm. last time. She was a little bit unhinged in the sense that she she genuinely seemed a little lost mm-hmm. and seemed vulnerable that way. And so I think you can chalk that up either to inconsistent writing. Mm-hmm. But I think it were I to sort of try to fix it, it would be, I think, how vulnerable she felt going through that process scared her enough to push her a little bit further over the edge. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't ever want to feel that way again. I don't ever want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to ever feel lost. So I'm going to clamp down on power. I'm going to push a little bit harder, which is another thing that people do. You know, if you it, like, if, if you get scared, you get unstable, you either right the ship or you double down. And I think she clearly doubled down. Cool. Maybe. <clears throat> uh, so Wynn says, I'll tell you what I want. We go. We talk about the Rakantha province, which is a farming area which had been poisoned by the Cardassians. They actually poisoned the soil. Oof. And they've just found a way to fix it using reclamators. And she wants to get it going to start interstellar commerce and help Bajor get into the Federation. The catch is, the people currently using the reclamators don't want to give them up. And uh, the dudes who are not giving it up is Shakar the leader of the resistance cell that Kira was in during the occupation. So we've heard of Shakar! the Shakar. Shakar! That's, uh, if, you, if you're playing street hockey, that's uh, that's what you call when you got to gotta clear for a Shakar. Uh, and we've heard the name Shakar a bunch of times now. We've heard Shakar resistance for it, but we've never met the dude. So Wynn wants Kira to get him to change his mind, despite the fact that he saved her life a bunch of times, or maybe because of that. And she says, we're on the verge of a new era, but our future depends on each of us working for the common good of Bajor. And she makes a pretty good point. But Kira says he must have a reason why he's not giving them up. So she agrees to go talk to him. And Wynne keeps calling her child because she's the worst. That's what I said and, in my watch along. I was like, go ahead. Call me child one more time. Oh, my God. Like, uh, you just want she's she's one of the most punchable villains out there. Look at that. That's ugh. just ugh, I hate you, but I love you. Louise Fletcher. Absolute national treasure. And let me tell you, I'm sure that this as somebody who never gets to be one, I will give me bad guy every day, all the time. Nobody wants to play the good guy. You think you do growing up as an actor, like, oh, I want to be yeah, like the main yeah. guy. No, you don't. You want to be the bad guy. You hey, want to well, be the speaking as a guy who frequently plays the bad guy, yeah, it's good. I want to be bad guy. I played uh, <clears throat> I played Jafar in an unlicensed uh, Aladdin production uh, in uh, theater camp. And what I mean unlicensed... I don't mean the knockoff version. I mean, they literally just copy and paste. We sang A Whole New World and oh, such. But it was before the internet, so Disney didn't find out. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Uh, that's just a 
That's an offensive situation all around. Yeah. Can't wait to watch the YouTube boot of that, the slime tutorial. Thank God it does not exist on the YouTubes because that would be the end of me. So I was 15. I didn't know any better. So in Act 2, Kira arrives at Shakar's settlement. They actually went on location for this to Bronson Canyon where they've many, many things have been filmed, as I mentioned. She runs her hand I through the I loved the scene dirt. so much I just took a thousand screenshots. You took ten trillion screenshots. Or I just forgot to advance them as we were talking. One of the two. Hold on a moment. There we go. It's possible. There it is. We're on location. Looks great. Uh, she runs her hand through the dirt. It's clearly not fixed yet. And she runs into Shakar. That's such a TV moment. We we just talked all about how the ground is poison, but on you know it wasn't in there. The director was like, "Let's just get some, let's get some B-roll of you playing with the soil, so we have it." And then they were like, "Put it in." Well, but we have to. But it's actually new information. We knew that it was poisoned, but then they had the reclamators. Ah, yes. So, so it actually is important. We're still, we still need time. Is what we're saying. We well, we still need to. We need to know that the reclamators haven't worked yet. Takes for time. Shikar. Yeah, it's they're yeah. not magic. Uh, so they're happy to see each other, and they go inside the cabin, and the drop in the background behind them looks like a community theater production of Paint Your Wagon. Uh, deep cut. So they talk about their old friends, who are also now farmers. But, yes, to my, my point, notice the direct harsh light on the on the backdrop. They had to try yeah. to mimic what they, they had shot externally. Now they've got to do it in, on the yeah. lot. And I have to say... It's- with the contrast and the shadows inside, it's a pretty good job. The color correction. They did a good job. And it's hard to do that, have something so bright in your background and yet still be clear in mm-hmm. the foreground. Uh, well, you know, the guy who directed this was the DP. Yeah. So if anybody's going to know how to do it, it's going to be him. So uh, the uh, Shakar knows why she's here and asks for time to think about it. So we head back to the station because, you know, we need a B-plot. And O'Brien we? beats... Yeah, this was whole B plot was filler. This, this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record saying this might be in my experience thus far the worst B plot we've had. It's kind of a colossal waste of time. Like, and I I get it. Like, we all get on streaks, you know. Like, uh, what'd you call it? Flow state. I'm with you, and it's great. I don't know if we need to spend that much time on it on television because if if you're gonna spend 10 minutes of TV Deep Space Nine time, there's much better work to be it's done. It's just, I'm going to, here's my, I'm going to summi- summarize my problems with it. You're waiting the whole time for what's the what, right? And the what, there right. is no what. Why are we doing there's this? No, no, there's there no there. what. Like, I thought that they were going to, I thought they were faking the injury to, like, to prove to Quark that gambling is bad for a second. I was like, well, that's a waste of time. So they don't do that. I thought right. that. Can you really destroy your shoulder structurally from what took place there? Well, he has a history of separating a shoulder dating back to next gen. Okay. It's so, look, so th- this is actually I've wasted a known... too much time on the summary. It's bad. It's just bad straight through. Well, it's it's not bad. It's just pointless. Like, if, if you're going to tell a story about Quark's villainy exploiting the bet, we've already told that story. Yeah. Well, it's not even because that. We, because we because we did the did the same thing with the racquetball, right? We told the story of like Quark betting on O'Brien and Bashir playing, right? This is a waste of time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, somebody else justify it for us. I mean, it's not that it wasn't pleasant, you know. Like Call of Media, it's fun, like whatever. But like 
There's so much more story we can There's tell. No Do there, some there. character development. Zero Do there, some something. There. Zero there, there. No, there, there. Uh, anyway, so uh, he beats Dax and Quark. Uh, Dax and Quark is taking bets on O'Brien's streak. He's now up to 47 straight wins. He wants to pack it up for the day, but Quark wants him to keep going because he's making money. And he's able to massage O'Brien's ego enough to keep him going tomorrow. Sure. We head back to Shakar's hut, and the two other friends from the Resistance have arrived, and they're drinking and reminiscing. Pharrell is missing an arm from the war that he lost in an interrogation center. And he's Yikes. totally not just doing this under a shirt. Quiet, you. You don't know. <laughs> um, he uh, he chose not to have it replaced. This was because... a cool monologue. Cool monologue. Yeah, because in the interrogation center, he prayed to be able to save his friends and offered his life. And he only lost an arm though and thought it would be ungrateful to get it fixed because he saved his friends we've totally seen that girl before right that lady before uh or she's just that eponymous well see i i, I think that's a good question hold on let, I, let me let me look that up and also point out there's a lot of repeated beats here with progress mm-hmm. right because we go down to the farmer on the moon and try yeah. to get him to Instead of move, give up his reclamators, and he's got a couple of other farmer buddies that come over and they eat horrible Bajoran food. I thought it was an um, interesting beat here, too, because it kept leading us to believe that Shakar's the one who Kira owes her life to, but then this guy also apparently was one of the guys who saved the day a bunch, but I guess they just well, all were buddies, fighters together. Yeah, they were all all fighting together. Um no, this is her first time on the show. Oh, interesting. She's just... Um, she's in Pee-wee, looks, right? She looks very Star Trek. She's a what? She was in Pee-wee, right? Oh. She totally uh, has a Pee-wee credit. She, yes, you're 100% right. <laughs> and she plays Penguin's mother in Batman Returns. Oh, interesting, yeah. yeah. How about that? Uh, she was in Ghost World. Lots, lots of good stuff. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk more about the similarities between this and mm-hmm. progress as we go. Uh, so, uh, but, 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 uh, I, I scrolled. I scrolled the He's wrong place. He's ungrateful, and Shakar's like, they're like, will you, oh, Shakar, you got to give the reclamators back. And he's like, I told her I'd think about it. And they're like, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. Yes, they complain about their ruined soil. Apparently, they haven't had a chance to fix theirs with the reclamators yet. Later that night, Kira and Shakar talk privately. She tries to get him to do what's best for Bajor. But he says, I waited three years and I just got them. And they were promised to us for a whole year. Kira says, we need this so we can change how the galaxy sees us. But Shakar doesn't care. Kira wants to arrange a meeting between him and Wynn, which he agrees to. Okay, I need some, I need some clarification here. How big are these reclamators? <clears throat> I don't know. Is it because Wynn sets it up as if they're big enough to, like, it seems to me like this other farm that they want to fix to, for all this export material is right. epic, right? It's like a well, they know, want to, like, it's like a whole state, it's yeah, a whole an province. industrial like you know farming apparatus. Right. Whereas this right. is like this little farm. So I can't, it, my, my brain is having a hard time grokking the congruity between the two. Like, are these two little reclamators even going to make a dent on that farm planet? That's... Well, I, 
I, my my understanding is that it's a whole bunch of reclamators, and he's just the leader. And so I think it's like fifteen. Oh. So it's like fifteen different farms all working like this. So he does. Ha- so yes. Okay. So it is kind of a big uh, operation happening here. It's not just yeah. Like a- it's a big it, yeah. I I I get the sense that he's like speaking for an, the entire province that he's in. Um, but it definitely does seem like. It it doesn't make a great deal of sense if you dig too far into it. We're also like, can't we make more reclamators? Right. Like we have replicators. <laughs> like we have, I'm sure Starfleet will help. Like, because her pitch of- back to win is like, if he gets rid of these reclamators, they waited for three years for. Are they all just going to starve to death down here? Is that the? I don't think so. I think it's just they're they can't do anything. I yeah, it it definitely. Like, don't scratch the surface too hard on okay. the reclamator of it all, okay. uh, because it doesn't really make a great. So his point sense. is just basically like, "Yo, I went through all of the bureaucratic red tape. Right, I waited I three years stuff, for this, and now you want and, it back, and you're going to steal it before I get a chance to use it. And you was you promised this, and then you're going to take it back. So, yeah, uh, interesting. So, uh, he says before he agrees to meet with Win, and he says, "Hey, I, I, I missed her." It's been a it's been a dry spell since I banked Dr. Crusher and her grandmother as a ghost. Good so uh, so so there you go. If you haven't seen Sub Rosa, yeah. So uh he's a ghost who lives in a lamp who used to bang Dr. Crusher's grandma and uh then bangs Dr. Crusher. And that's an episode of the next generation. So he's a gin, basically? Kind of. Well he's he's Getting Jin to some crushers, I'll tell you that. So he he's like a genie, kind of. Yeah, he was kind of a kind of a a candle but, but ghost. But now he's just like normal. No, it's a different character, Dum Dum. Oh 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 oh. What if Shakar were Crusher's ghost? That's what happened after Sub Rosa. He went to Bajor and led a resistance as opposed to banging crushers. Got, oh, it makes sense now. Well, speaking of banging, uh, they got they had they have some long looks here. They they got they got like I said, it's been a been a dry spell since season seven. I guess of things got Extra. things got uh, cold and lonely on the uh, war front, and they had to uh, use body yeah. heat. You know, right, he wants to reclamate some other territory. So in Act Three, Kira meets with Win back at the capital. Win asks, "What's up?" And Kira says, "It's a no, but I've set up a meeting." Wynn ca- uh, calls Shakar prideful and arrogant, and there's no reason. There's no reasoning with him. Kira defends him, and the Kai says, "I'll meet with him. You can leave." I thought she was gonna send in the send in the. Well, she does kind of. I, th- I was like, "Oh, they're just gonna like assassinate the guy." I thought that's where we were headed. Well, that's kind of exactly what happened. So, uh, Kira goes back to tell Shakar when security offers. Officers come in and arrest him. Win lied. See, I told you. Shakar knocks out the first guy, and Kira knocks out the second guy. And Shakar says, This isn't your fight. Go home. And Kira says, Nope. If Win wants a fight, I'll give her one. Keith, I was thinking during this, it's like, you know, I, I like the beat for Kira because no matter how far she gets into her kind of new life, there's that pull of the old days of what she is at, at her yeah. core with these guys. It's like me and you, like, if we now in our present state, if we were out on the playground, right, and like some bullies came up and they were like pushing us around, we'd be like, Keith, 
I know we're mature now, but it's time to podcast. And we would just, <laughs> we'd do what we do. You know what I mean? We'd throw on the cans and we'd uh-huh. podcast the hell out of those guys. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm just really thinking through the playground. And, and I think that might explain why we were bullied. Because, like, <laughs> you want to take the slide? No, man, I've got an episode to do. <laughs> got, no, the, the little light, microphone, which at this hap- point is just like a stick and a rock. It did like, happen to us one time, friends of the channel. We were playing football in Brooklyn, just throwing the two guys, throwing the ball to each other. Yeah, and this group did. of other guys was like, hey, you want to play football with us? And they're like, oh, we play tackle. And Keith and I were just too afraid to say no, even though we desperately wanted to say no. I I wanted to I was 100% in. You were not so much. And No, because they were huge. And you were right, because I have never <laughs> seen a man get just rocked. I saw Mike's soul get knocked out of him. In my life, I have never been hit. I would, I, I've never been hit that hard and will never be hit that hard again. But in my brain, I knew for Keith and I's sake, I had to stay on my feet. Because if I had gone down, we, they would have pushed us around all day. You, I mean, you handled it like a champ. You were a little bit like the night, it doesn't hurt. I had to throw Mandra away, for sure. <laughs> Hundred oh, percent. Okay. Good times. Good yeah. times. <laughs> they knocked the little the literal shikar out of. People. It is it is possible to knock the shikar out of people. All right. <laughs> so that was the shortest act in Star Trek history. So we go to Act Four. In a bunch of caves, Shakar, Kira, and their friends all grab weapons. So this is the actual caves now. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know if they would light it. I, Didn't they say they, they say they, they did, they did that? There? But that. I mean, they did say they did that, but that looks like the cave set. Unclear. I'd be cool if it were, though. But I would wonder about the feasibility of doing all the tech in a a real cave and lighting it and whether whether they'd be allowed Mm -hmm. to set up lights and cabling and all that kind of stuff in an actual cave. I don't know. Also, safety, OSHA, environmental. I don't know. I don't buy it. Anyway, uh, the authorities have arrested other former members of the resistance in the area. But they have a plan. They're going to make the police chase them through the mountains. Back on the station, O'Brien is beating a Vulcan and is all cocky. Uh, and of course, and again, we're learning this on uh, on Strange New World. Vulcans are dicks. Yeah, just total a-holes. Totally. Uh, but he reaches for some beer and dislocates his shoulder with a ro- excuse me, rotator cuff tear. And the uh, Vulcan says, hey, if you leave, you lose. And O'Brien keeps trying to play, but he needs surgery. Or Quark, the Vulcan, wins. So this, this rotator cuff thing, well established. It's not as crazy as it seems if you hadn't seen uh, Crusher put his shoulder back in like six times on on uh, Next Gen. Okay. And we've mentioned it on the show before because he can't get through the kayaking thing because it keeps dislocating his shoulder. Right. On uh, Bajor, Cisco has arrived in Wynn's office. She wants his help. Apparently, they've been searching for Shakar and Kira for two weeks, uh, but haven't found them at all. Seems to me like Kira's been in contact with Ben because he is not sweating it. No, no, clearly. He doesn't he doesn't seem to be sweating a lot in this episode, including his XO just abandoning her post for and weeks also on end. Being a fugitive? Like kind of being a fugitive and uh I mean I get it, like the Federation isn't there to interfere with local Bajoran politics, but like 
she kind of works for him. She's like, peace out. I'm going to go and uh, run and shoot the Bajorans for a while. Anyway. I actually uh, think this scene is pretty is pretty important into establishing where she is in her villainy. But let's get through your story yes. first. Uh, Wynne says the resistance is spreading and she's had to declare martial law and suspend local governments. That's an escalation. You know, uh, using the Insurrection Act and all. You know, like, if if they protest, we'll just uh, send in the military and kill them all if they don't like what we're doing. So Sisko can't quite hide his pleasure at her failure. He advises that she pull the troops out of the province. And she says, I'll do it if the Federation comes in and takes their place. And they bring her Shakar. Sisko says, nope. Yeah, no. Federation law prevents me from interfering in Bajoran issues. And she says, well, we'll withdraw our application to join the Federation. And uh, Cisco says, that's an overreaction. Everything you're doing is an overreaction. You're risking a civil war over soil reclamators. And she says, this is a test by the prophets. They want to see if I'm worthy. I will stop Shakar by any means necessary. So she, pretty much she's Dick Cheney. Uh, so, yeah, so let's talk about this scene because, like... So I see it in twofold. The, part, the thing I really like about it <clears throat> uh, is that she definitely is... Like, Ben is the emissary, right? He doesn't speak for Starfleet in any sort of way or uh, the, the Federation in any sort of way. So, you know, her threat to the Federation here to him is sort of misplaced because what it's he doesn't he's not a decision maker when it comes you know what i mean well he's not the decision maker but his number one job when they first gave him the station is to help bajor join the federation right so clearly ben doesn't like being blackmailed but also she it, it sh- his his response and the coolness of his response does show that it she doesn't have a ton of teeth in this right it's like it's not she she feels as though she's got all this power but she doesn't who Bajor loses too if they don't get into into the Federation, right? Like they. No, I mean she's she's a, she's a paper tiger there. It is interesting that Cisco doesn't get thrown by that because that is his entire purpose in being there. Yeah, and also you have to kind of you have to to take stock of your enemy here or your adversary because this is where I at first was kind of not liking her journey here but now it's making a little bit more sense i think you're right in that whereas she used to be very brilliant and calculated in in specific targeted plots here she's using losing the thread a little bit a little too much power and things have gone her way a little bit i think getting credit for the delegation acts with barile have given her this false sense of yes that fear of i don't want to put be put into that situation anymore but i have the power that i can delegate these things and get the credit for it so hey this is easy <laughs> you know what i mean I, and <laughs> right I, and also a little mix here of this sort of i hate to use this term but a, a little bit of religious zealotry sure you know let me not now that it's getting a little out of pocket that he he points out the civil war and the escalation and he's right and i think she might see it as right she can pivot to oh no i'm not escalating the gods have the prophets have made me do this they're testing me i have to go this far right so she's justifying it with religion so you're getting a little mix of cult leader dictator 
that's a bad a bad combo. Yeah. Yeah, well she is she is sort of spiraling out and it is interesting how sloppy she is because she has been so careful and so well plotted before. I mean like her her assassination attempt mm-hmm. of Barile in in the first season. Like there's a lot going on with with her sort of villainy. Um but she's usually much better at controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. And and what she loses in this episode, why what the leverage on her is she's lost the narrative with the people and so she like her her power comes from people the general populace being behind her and she in this shakar situation has not handled that part of it well like Mm -hmm. when operating effectively would find a way to demonize shakar in the media in the populace and turn them on her side Whereas she's not really doing that. She's just doing the military side and thus losing the the people. Well, and also, as they've shown really well on Deep Space Nine, is that the occupation and the search for that freedom slash hatred of the Cardassians is a great unifying, had a great unifying effect on the Bajorans. A oh, great yeah. Unifying well, I mean, and so uh, the very first act of your your uh, Holy Roman Empire-ness is yeah. to turn the villainy towards the ba- the Bajorans on themselves. The Bajoran heroes yeah. who fought against That's not gonna go it's, well. Well it's it's like uh it's like if right after nine eleven they went after SEAL Team Six. Yeah. Right. Right? And it's like, wait, no, wait, who are the bad guys here? It's confusing. You've lost the narrative. If, and, yeah, it's almost like um, imagine if the, the that the the figurehead hero of nine eleven eventually became a Looney Tunes uh, character, uh, villain character, like just an absolute shit show of a <laughs> yeah, a, just like leaking from the head villain, like barely even still like fair to consider it a human. It's like an alien wearing a skin suit. I can't wait uh, for that biopic. Oh my god, that fall. Oh, is... <laughs> oh, wow. I just that'd be depressing. Anyway, uh, like like you said, that could never happen. Totally inconceivable. <laughs> um, but I I. Actually, pretty good. That he could play him, Wallace Shawn as Looney Tune, <laughs> as Giuliani. Wallace Shawn as Rudy. <laughs> Holy crap! I th- I've stumbled upon two. We've got uh, Kai Chewbacca and Wallace Giuliani. Wallace Shawn's one one man play as Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> they, they've got to put the tubes up to yep, leak the hair. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Oh my god! You know. Uh, did I ever tell you I I peed next to uh, Rudy Giuliani once? Oh, interesting. In Astoria, strangely. I peed next Very. to Kevin Bacon. I'm everyone's sixth degree of Kevin Bacon. Oh, it's there it is. The United Kaufman uh, movie theater. Oh well, there you go. That's. I mean, like I, I think I think the new Family Game is what's the mo- who's the most famous person you've urinated next to? Yeah. Uh, I call it a- what's shaking, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I, I Anthony Rapp once the first time I met him. Oh, hey, uh, Star Trek. All right. Anyway, uh, where the hell am I? No idea. We that was one of the biggest derails of all time. Oh, yikes. Uh, Ben's like no. Anyway, so yeah. on the surface, Kira and the Resistance run down the side of some cliffs. They're being chased by Bajoran militia. This is uh, my favorite scene because it's like. You know, everybody wants to shoot on location, right? Oh, authenticity, location, location. But what you don't realize is that, and go back and watch this scene, this whole thing. There's no way 
to make human military war heroes run up and down these hills that are just soft too dirt. too steep for them and too <laughs> soft and they just all look silly they're falling all over the place <laughs> slipping are... sliding they look terrible and this is the take that got in yeah <laughs> I mean, I think there's still some extras rolling down that hill it's today. It's so funny. Kira, who's like a main character, Nana, who it's, she looks great and everything, is falling down the hill. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, yeah, that's what I wrote. Yes. Uh, it looks great being on location. Kira turns on a contraption that makes them seem like they're in the op- going in the opposite direction. And the extras all almost fall down the dirt. <laughs> it's falling down. Oh, just like you go rolling, wee for major. Uh, so they're gonna lead the militia into a canyon and trap them. So in Act Five, it works great, and the militia walks directly into the canyon, cornering themselves. Not great strategy by apparently the other leader, but at least they do address it. Kira recognizes the leader. He was also in the resistance, and according to her memory, is good at what he does. Not so much here. So they prepare to kill them all, but Kira and Shakar can't do it. So they decide to talk to him instead. They reminisce as old war heroes. And Shakar says, I just want to take my people home. Somebody gets an itchy trigger finger, but they're able to calm it down. And they all know that we're on the brink of a civil war. So what should we do about it? Back in the capital, the leader of the militia comes in with Shakar and Kira. So they made a deal. They show up at Wynn's office. And they announce that instead of being prisoners, Shakar is going to run for first minister against Wynn. And you're going to lose. Wynn accuses them of a coup. Ironic. Having Wynn, having tried to do like three of them thus far... Kira says, you can run, but if you do, we're telling everyone what happened here, that you risked a civil war over farm equipment. If I were you, I'd start packing. Uh, I think we made, I might have made a bit of an enemy. Uh, this this whole thing felt rushed. Yes. Felt terribly, terribly Well, because rushed. I actually think the beat they have in the canyon where it's the two military guys being like this is ridiculous that we're going at each other like that's we have there's something bigger at play here i like that idea and i like that monologue and i like the i i would have liked to see the plotting against win i like i would have liked to it's just too easy when they go in there the the sort of resolution is a little too easy and also and maybe it's because regardless of this she's still going to have her like you can't remove the pope ship Right? Can you? No, no. She she'll still be pope, but not be the president. Because I was going to say, what's the calculus with? Why not just show what she did anyway? Right? You've got enough people. You've got Ben. You've got the military leaders. You've got Kira. You've got enough people to be like, yo, this is what the Kai has been doing. She's. But also they. But but they treat it like what she did was so obviously villainous that everyone's going to turn on her i don't i don't know if she i don't know if like it can necessarily be spun so black and white well i think that at least there's an argument to be made that 
tactically, as a military leader, as a government leader, she's making very poor, rash decisions. I mean, you're right. I don't think it's as easy as the blackmail they proposed to her, but I think they're right in that it's probably easy to easier to win an election. Well, the 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 thing they have on her, the thing that she really did wrong is the thing that's obvious to everyone else. She established martial law. Mm-hmm. She overrode the the small governments. Well, that's a pretty good argument, but everybody knows that. There's no threat to that. Yeah. That was done out in the open. Also, it seems and- it seems unnecessarily door closing to the writers, right? Because if okay, we're going to propose you we're going to we're going to face off against you in this election. They can still end the episode satisfyingly, but then you still have options to write to if 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 it tests well or however they do it if if you know and they're like hey let's explore that and see how the election went with the Kai and whatnot we can go back to it but we don't need to I mean it, we did do ourselves kind of a I don't want to say disservice remember we blew the universe open with the yeah. whole with the major threat so maybe the minutia of Bajoran politics and government isn't particularly like where our writing team wants to spend their time anymore. But it just felt like you said rushed, and like they put a they put a, a pretty bow on it when it didn't necessarily need to have it. And uh, and also, I I think that it's just the the story, like choosing like understanding like okay, so Kai Win tries to take over as president as well. Great, that sounds really interesting. I love that. Let's spend the whole time arguing about dirt. What are we doing? Like like you know they put it like I can't believe you do all this over a couple of reclamators. I can't believe that either. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I say this, I grew up basically on a farm. Like, I'm big into dirt and all that kind of stuff. But I think the the story, the plot, what what is turning the, the screws here, visually and conceptually, it's there's so much overlap between this and progress that it's just hard for me to, like, get that excited about it. And so well, that's what I was, like, I was trying to say before. It's like... Because she didn't, it may, look, if they want, if it's about her villainy, right, which it seems to me like it is, because she wasn't, she didn't do any sort of coup behavior to get that post. She was, she was selected, right? And then the power kind of gets to her head, if that's what we're assuming is kind of the, the gist here. She gets power hungry or power drunk. Isn't it better if she got power hungry, power drunk, and killed that guy and it turns out 100%. she's just a, yes. a, just well, a murderous and, villain because that's and they, well they they did it backwards too and we're sort of doing the end of the show yeah <laughs> um, i mean o'brien stuff happens yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah the, the 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 zone is over he hits off the hollow suite now bashir's in the zone later kira and cisco discuss that shakar was pro is probably going to win the election and that win has already pledged her support she completely backed down and then and, she blows uh, out the candle says, so she can bang the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Says, good to have you back, Major. So no consequences for going AWOL for three weeks. Um, but I, I just want to finish my point before I forget it. Well, let's I just jump forget. in. Let's just, I'm just going to jump into here. Yeah, um, because I think storytelling-wise, just breaking the story of the wind thing, of her like going power hungry and declaring martial law it's backwards mm-hmm. right her declaring martial law and trying to arrest him should have happened after he announced that he's running not him running is the solution to it this should like she should have 
like, oh, I'm going to run against you. Now she de- now she's like, I got to get rid of this guy, and so I'm going to declare martial law. He's a, you know, he's going to steal the election. Blah 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 blah. Let's. It, it's a, It's an insurrection. He's trying to do a coup. She tries to get the people behind him, and then it's a much bigger story and much more exciting than what it was. That all just got resolved. She backed down. Why would she back down? Yeah, Crazy. they just it. She's just a better villain than this, right? Yes, 100%. She's just a better villain than this, and I feel like the idea on, on the paper, like you said, Kai Wen tries to uh, Borgia it. You know what I mean? She yeah. To, cool. Uh, I yeah. get it. But they just sort of pansy out here and there, everywhere else, and they just, like you said, it just, none of it has a lot of teeth and a lot not. It also. Her, her initial point kind of makes sense. Like, oh, hey, we're trying to build Bezier up. We want to become a major export power. This makes sense. We need the Reclamator. Right. Sorry about it, but it is what it is. Kira, can and you... It, it's, it's reasonable. So his reaction doesn't make sense. Her... It's just... And it's... It, like, it both doesn't quite make sense. It's also not that interesting. Yeah. Fair. It's like, I don't care about the dirt. Like, yes, I get it as, like, a concept, but as, but as an said, action episode, like, why are we doing this? Or let's look at, like, uh, like you had mentioned before. We're kind of wrapping it all in together, wormholes and stuff, too. Um, let's look at where there could be dramatic tension in this episode that we could exploit. Like you said, your XO going on the lam as a fugitive, uh, fighting with the resistance fighters, and now you're being put on the spot to, like, should you go after her as as sort of the, the not just the emissary, but also as a Starfleet officer? Should right. you, Like, he has actually some dramatic tension in his... And what is presented to Ben, but we play it off very casually. It's not a big deal. And, I mean, you, and you have an opportunity to do like a Mission Impossible rogue team or whatever it is, where like he's like this super super soldier resistance guy being unfairly targeted by like there should be posters of him. He's a war criminal, blah blah. Mm-hmm. blah and she goes after him, and he has to sort of prove his innocence while she's declaring martial law to take him down. That's exciting. That's a two-parter that I would watch the heck out of. We also leave our villain, like you said, our best villain, well, one of our best villains, in a, a lesser position of power than we found her. Like, whereas it seems like the right. episode wants to escalate her villainy, it actually leaves her in a... Leaves her tremendously weak. Maybe more pissed off, maybe with a with a, with a a bone to pick now, a vendetta, but did she ever really need that? That's but, kind of her but thing. But she's also, she's less scary now because her strategy sucked mm-hmm. and she was very easily flipped and and cowed here i also felt like shikar our guy sort of leads his buddies and all these resistance fighters into a into a really he's he leads them into a suicide mission initially he's like we got to run on the land we're going to run out of materials we're going to run out of but we got to go like for what what are we fighting for I mean, I guess right. their land, they're putting a flag it's in the like, ground, but... It's its sort of like unfair you're going to take our toys away, so I'm going to start a war? Right. Like, that doesn't make it... Like, he he is... His credibility is kind of shot with me, because he's acting ridiculously. Like, so, even, like, they're six... I mean, yes, it is, inju- it is unjust. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that happens that's unjust, I don't start a resistance. This might you seem know. like a small fish fry, but... If your B plot is going to be this bad, and I think it's pretty bad, this B plot, this, yeah. the, this, then your A plot better be just like a, a T-bone steak, you know what I mean? Like a filet mignon, and it is, yeah. it ain't. It, it's, there's a lot of holes in it. Now, positively, I will say... Let, you know, let, let's do best moments while we're doing it. Yeah, we're going backwards here. 
Um, uh, you know, we, we, we've been out for a while. Yeah. Louise Fletcher, I mean, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know or care where, where the script stands. She's like, I'm going to read those lines. I'm going to give you this, the side eye takes, and you're going to hate me. And she does it. And you know what's yeah. even even better is that you can tell Nana, it, like, how great is it to play opposite a bad guy? So like easy. It's so easy to play opposite. She's seething in every scene with her. Seething. And I love this scene, and this is going to be a weird pick because of that. And this is because of Louise Fletcher. I like the first scene with Kira and Odo. Me too. Oh, and Odo. Yeah. Interesting. Because it's after she talks with Ben, and she's like going to now friend Odo, right? Look, she on the surface, there's nothing wrong with Kai, right? Asking you. Right. She's in a new job. She she came to you. It's an honor, right? Because we know how devout Kira is. She's like, I have a, an ask. And it's a reasonable ask, I think. It's for the better of all Bajorans. And it's right. your old buddy, right? It right. would make sense to send in, like, twigs to negotiate with you. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It makes sense. That's so, yeah. uh, Twigs is a friend. Uh, Keith was best man at his wedding. Um, and so, when. So, Kira has no reason really to be pissed but she's got all these feels and so her outburst with Odo being like nobody gets it I'm so mad and no one else is mad with me it's such right. a great scene because it's fueled by the performance of 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 Fletcher and, and Odo responds to it I think really cool I, I just love love that scene because it it is so full of stuff uh, so that's my which point. is remarkable because that scene actually happens before Kira and Kai meeting face to face. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You... Uh, yeah. So yeah, my best moment is the first meeting of of Win and uh, and Kira, where she's like, "Oh, you still you still mourning that dude? Like, who cares?" And he wanted to I, die. He was happy to give his life for all of. Yeah, he was life. happy. He was happy that I take all the credit. Like, oh yeah, oh right, I remember him. Uh, yeah, he was that guy, you know. And it's like it's. It is so satisfyingly enraging, her performance in that, that I, I that for yeah, the, sure. The first 10 minutes of this episode. Yeah, and I, I think I said it earlier that, that Louise Fletcher rescues a lot of not great episodes because of how watchable she is. Mm -hmm. That even if the plot doesn't make a lot of sense and I don't like the writing... She's like I, I'm. She's never unwelcome on my screen. Like I'm always happy to see her, even if it's not great. Uh, so she has she has been the best thing in a lot of bad episodes. So uh, there we go. Let's let's hand out some stem bolt, shall we? Yeah, I'm gonna save the bumper because we already started. We already had the conversation. So now we're just giving numbers. Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's hard, man. I, I, I've even tried to use this whole hour and a half to talk myself up i mean i understand the mode it just like you said it it's just not firing on all cylinders we know they can write a better episode and there's we've we've enumerated many of the opportunities they could have had i think i think really the only thing that's achieved here if i was looking at like wins is that we've give we kind of put a put a bow on barile and maybe we have a new love interest for kira really i think they were setting that table so that's a win i suppose Mm -hmm. uh, and also, Kai Wynn has more reasons to be pissed off, so maybe, hopefully, we get to see more of her. Outside of that, 
The B story was entirely forgettable for me. I don't even need anybody to defend it. I thought it was stupid. I didn't think it literally had anything to say. No teeth, and it wasn't even interesting. And done with it. Uh, Yeah, and and Nana was great, and Louise Fletcher was great. I don't even, to be honest, I don't even find the guy playing Shakar to be particularly uh, exciting. No, well, because he's he's bland, generic white dude. Yeah, like he's, he's not bad. I found one arm guy ex- to be much more compelling. Yeah, but you know that's a really good point. And like, it's it is not the actor's fault. No, no, no. But no, like, no. yeah, why is he like random, like freaking Aryan white guy, bland? Like, why isn't Shakar somebody really interesting and really compelling and? Like, why doesn't he have one arm? Why doesn't he have one eye? Why isn't he just someone you don't expect and not like the blandest white bread dude out there? Like, I think I think for the same reason, uh, Burial was who Burial was. I, I, I think that's central casting, right? They're like, we need the guy, we need the tall, white, handsome guy to be opposite Kira. And I, I think that's remnants of the 90s. Yes. Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that he would be cast so boring today. I don't know that, but I'm pretty feel very confident no he's he's like wonder bread yeah um he yes uh but less tasty anyway but he was he was much more much more compelling when he was wonder boning crusher's grandma now that sounded i was into so anyway (laughs) long story short i just i don't want to say it's bad but it's just not it's not up to snuff i would be like send her back send her back for another pass yeah. I would get. I would garner that they probably had a couple passes at this. And I mean, this is what they there's came up a great with. episode that could have been done. Th- this can't... could be like a two-parter, like action thriller, suspense, like political intrigue. It could be so good. So it's a C not. is seventy. Yeah. C minus sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. That's a that's a high D technically. Uh, but uh, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm I, I'm giving it a 69. Like it's, I'm just disappointed. Like there is, I've said it a hundred times already. There's a fantastic episode with this basic story structure, um, and they just they they blanded it up. Like the fact that we're fighting over soil reclamators, boring. But keep Shakar, the excitement. The excitement is so that's a 69 and a 67. Uh, the excitement is that, if I'm not mistaken, seasons one and two, the penultimate episodes of the seasons, have been excellent. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I can tell you. Well, right. Season one, the penultimate episode was duet. Right. I mean, phenomenal. Season two, it was tribunal, which was very, which was good, which mm-hmm. was very good. Uh, yeah. So next week we're going to be doing facets. Uh, there are only two more episodes of season three, and then hold on to your butts because season four is coming. Oh, I mean, it will never be the same once we start season four. So, okay. uh, we'll be doing another shadow be... drop next week, Keith, for this show. Are we? Yeah, because I'll have to do that thing with Jill. Oh, you're doing the reading. That's right. Okay, well, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how that goes. Uh, yeah, so there you go. We will see you back next week with 
facets. We'll see you back on Friday with another episode of Strange New Show. I still have to watch and note it before we do it tomorrow. And on Sunday, we'll be back with more Star Trek toys and Monday KM Geekly. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you back here next week. Till then, this has been Key the Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash knm.